Prepare yourself to invest a few minutes with the Make Each Click Count podcast to discover new details in how to accelerate your sales and profits while making sure you're getting the absolute most out of your online marketing dollars. Hosted by Andy Spiegel, who's been running paid click campaigns for his clients for 20 plus years. Join us and discover what's working today and start making each click count. Without further ado, here's the acclaimed author of the Make Each Click Count book series, the founder of True Online Presence, the founder of Make Each Click Count University, and the host with the most, Andy Spiegel. Welcome to the Make Each Click Count podcast. This is your host, Andy Spiegel. We are happy to welcome this week's guest to discuss this topic, which is Insider Secrets to scaling your e-commerce business. Today's guest is the general manager of direct brands at Vendasta, which acquired Yesware in 2022, where he was the CEO. Prior to Yesware, he built Wayfair's B2B business from scratch to 400 million in annual revenue. He also ran Wayfair's UK business and oversaw the FP&A function as Wayfair transitioned into a publicly traded company. A big welcome to Joel Stevenson. Hi, Joel. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Yeah, we're excited to have you. You know, let's start with talking about your experience at Wayfair. So what was the key to growing from scratch to a company with $400 million in annual revenue? And is, that, is it repeatable for other businesses? Yeah, well, you know the the whole Wayfair story is is pretty interesting, and for maybe folks that don't know the early history of it, when I joined Wayfair and I joined in two thousand and nine, and the company had been around, I think for five or six years at that point. Um, and we at that point were this company called CSN Stores, and CSN Stores had hundreds of micro sites that were sort of SEM and SEO optimized. So things like, and I was responsible for a bunch of them that I do with home improvements. So we had ones like every vessel sink and CSN tools and, you know, all this stuff that like those, all those early, like pre, uh, you know, pre penguin, pre Panda, you know, SEO update uh, types of uh, websites. So we had all that stuff. And um, we, in many ways, the company, the company started because the co-founders Nourish and Steve saw an opportunity whereby it was the very early days of Google paid search. And there weren't as many people that were bidding on, uh, you know, merchandise types of terms. Like it hadn't really made it that far yet. And so what they, they, their first foray into this was selling gadgets and that kind of a thing. And then they eventually sort of said, well, this sort of works, but this is a hard category. So they did an analysis to sort of look at what were the things that were had the most organic search and the least paid search presentation. That eventually brought them to this thing called racks and stands or sold like, you know, hmm. speaker stands and racks and all that stuff. And that took off. And so then they they did the next category, um, which I can't remember what that was. But eventually they got into some bigger home furnishing categories like lighting and furniture was sort of the big, big unlock. And in those early days, I remember, you know, th- this had started to slow down by the time I got there. We were still launching categories. But in the early days, every single category just went vertical because their cost of acquisition was lower than what the customer was putting down on a credit card in the first 30 days. And, and because they were they're in a dropship business where we were paying vendors 30 to 60 days after we collected the money up front with a credit card. It just went it just went vertical. And there was there were no cash flow constraints like you typically see in a business. And 
there just wasn't that much competition in the early days of paid search. And so it was, it was just a money pump. It was incredible um, to look at this. Then, you know, more people entered the market, you know, it's just like classic economic theory, like everybody sort of sees that you're making an economic profit. People come in, then the, then the business started to get, um, you know, much more difficult to grow. We were at a very significant scale at that point. And so we started to invest in other types of strategies. And one of the big strategies was, let's take all these individual websites and we'll combine them into this thing called Wayfair.com because we think we're going to get nailed by some of the Google updates that are coming. And we had a real hard time driving repeat revenue because somebody would buy, you know, say a, mm. a light on csnlighting.com. They'd be, and, you know, we'd be like, oh, you should buy some plumbing, you know, like buy a- Right, but they didn't make light. the connection that you had yeah. the others. Okay. Who the hell is CSN faucets? You know, like that kind of, it just never, never really worked that well. And so we, we had some early prototypes where we had this thing called CSN Home, where we tried to sort of bring the whole selection there. And that sort of worked. Um, but ultimately, it took us sort of investing in a brand. And, we, and, we, and when I say invested, like we spent a lot of money on national TV advertising. And, you know, in addition to all the stuff that we were doing with Facebook and Google and all the sort of the direct response stuff. So huge, huge investments. And so by the time we got to the B2B business, that was more of a... Um, in some ways, that was very opportunistic because in my categories, what I saw was that we had people like electricians and plumbers and interior designers that were sort of showing up again and again in the order histories. And in the early days, like we didn't have that many orders. So you could literally just scroll through them um, and you, you just start to see some patterns. And so since I had come from more of a, a tech you know, B2B background, I was like, well, let's put some account managers against this and see if a different model of serving this customer will produce better customer lifetime value. And it took us a long time to really get that right. Um, but eventually we did get that right where we proved that we were able to deliver more lifetime value from those customers. Then it was a question of acquisition. And so we had the benefit of Yesware, or sorry, uh, Wayfair driving a lot of acquisition. So we were able to sort of you know run models that said like, okay, this is a good fit. This is a good fit. This is a good fit. Sort of get into the program. Then we juice that with with very effective Facebook advertising, you know, some you know some traditional keyword stuff. Um, you know, we we sort of flooded the zone at that point. We go to trade shows and you know all, all kinds of things um, to try to drive it. But we we were sort of lucky that Wayfair consumer business was really on a was really on a strong trajectory. So we sort of drafted off of that and then added our own acquisition on top of it. Interesting. Well, I, that's a thanks for the history. I I never knew that about Wayfair. How though, I guess, what, what can be taken by our listeners to replicate? I mean, I, you touched on a few different things. Um, the customer experience, I think for one, um, adapting, I guess, where, where do you see that some of the lessons can be taken? Yeah, I think because the, because the market has become so competitive, I think what we found was a sort of niche down strategy works pretty well where like if we wanted to go acquire an interior designer, we had to be very, very specific about acquiring that interior designer. We had to have the right ad creative. We had to have the right landing pages. We had to have the right, you know, sort of then, uh, you know, sign up experience and how to get somebody from, you know, sort of a interested buyer to an actual, like all of that stuff was extremely tailored. And, you know, I, I think today where, you know, every, there's a lot of like very specific, sophisticated marketers that are out there you know, you you really have to start from this sort of very specialized funnel if you can, and then maybe you can build out from there, add additional specialized funnels. Maybe you can start to get a little bit more general um, if you get good results. But to, but to me, it's very different from the early days where you could just throw up, you know, pretty generic keywords and set it to 
you know, broad match and you, you might do pretty well with, with that strategy. By the time we got to the B2B business, it was very, 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 very tight, I'd say. You know, I mean, most people who start an e-com company, they have a dream. They have a dream of scaling it to this, this huge monster, um, selling it, moving it to Haiti, what have you. But where do you think that most companies get it wrong when trying to scale their business? Oh man, I, I mean, we probably need five hours on this, but there's so many things that, um, you know, there's, it, it's different. It's just very difficult to, to scale a business. I think first off, um, I think people just need to understand that like there's, you know, it, it, it's a tough, it's a tough market out there. Not to say that it can't be done, but like, you, you know, you really have to have some fortitude. I think grit is the biggest thing. I think sometimes people give up too early um, on some of this stuff, but where, where I, you know, I, I think particularly for the e-commerce businesses, what I've observed from talking to a bunch of people over time and observing some and being an advisor to some is that you, you know, let's say maybe you start on Amazon or something like that. And you're just circling an FBA vendor, like all of a sudden, like something sort of catches and you're not ready for that. And then all of a sudden it's like, you went from like, oh, I, I do this, I have this thing, I get it on Amazon, I start to sell it. And then you go from having sort of a, a relatively simple set of problems of like, what am I gonna, what am I gonna make or market or import? How am I gonna put it on the site? And then how am I gonna get people to show up and buy this thing? It then starts to be get into supply chain problems and how, okay, well now I have to figure out replenishment and like, what's a good replenishment strategy. And like, how do I go and negotiate with the factories to make sure that I have good terms? And how do I make sure that this stuff shows up on time? How does it make, how do I make sure that it gets into the right warehouses? And then, you know, how do I scale the other parts of the business that have to go along with it? Like, you know, how do I scale my cash flow? Like in my cash stars, like, can I figure out what the networking capital cycle is and make sure that I have enough and my investing in the right areas? So to, to me, it's like, you, you start to get into this um, myriad set of, uh, of operational challenges that I think a lot of people start the businesses originally because, you know, what they like the thing that they're selling or they're interested in this, like, oh man, the world needs this thing. And that's great. But then once the world actually, once you sort of meet the market where it is, now you got to figure it now it becomes, you know, sort of a spreadsheet problem, not a creative problem. Now, a debate that I've recently had with, with, quite a few of my different guests here, especially in, in 2023, is customer acquisition versus customer retention mm -hmm. and how much of a company's resources they should be focusing on each. Where do you stand on that debate? Yeah, well, I, it, it depends, I think, at some level on what you're selling. I mean, in if you look at the Wayfair numbers over time, I think one of the challenges that they've had is they continue to have to spend a good amount of money on customer reacquisition because the home goods buying cycle is pretty long. Like there's a study that says that uh, I think people spend as much on furniture in the first six months of moving into a new place as they do in the next six years. And so, you know, Wayfair's tried things like trying to do more high frequency items, you know, like pillows and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, but at the end of the day, like they, they, you know, they've, while they've made some progress, they've never really been able to get that um, that expense down all the way. And so part of the, the other big investments that Wayfair has made over time is in customer experience. So building out their own delivery network, you know, making sure that there's good customer service, all that, and all that stuff helps. But on the, if you were to take what we were doing with designers, for example, like we invested way more uh, as a percentage in service because those were repeat customers. And so like making a big investment in them made a lot of sense because we knew the orders were just going to sort of keep coming. And so I think the first question you got to ask about 
where does that split happen is like, what type of a category am I in? Am I in a high frequency category where there's a good lifetime value? Or am I in a, like a one-time, you know, look, I'm going to get a hundred dollars from you one time. And that's great because there's another hundred million people out there. I can go get that from. So it's, I think it's a little bit of like understanding your customer and your market and, you know, sort of frequency. You know, I mean, that's some great points and it, it takes me to my next question, which how important is proper tracking and what do you think of the new Google Analytics 4 that's coming? Yeah, I mean, obviously tracking is tracking is key. Um, I haven't, I will admit that I haven't spent a lot of time um, in Google Analytics for myself. And so I'm not the best person to speak to all of the changes, but I would say that, um, you know, what, what we generally see, I, I, you know, I mean, to me, what best in class is, is, you know, you're taking all of your data, you're getting into some sort of a data mart, and then you're running analytics that are sort of, you know, not just siloed into one thing. And so you understand, oh, well, you know, we acquired someone on this channel, and then they ended up acting like this over time, like this was a great customer, this was a bad customer. And you can start to figure out like, oh, well, customers that we acquire from this particular Facebook ad, we convert them like crazy, but they're terrible customers. They all turn out like, I think that that's a level of analytics that you need to get to. And, and to get there, um, you know, usually I, I think, you know, the, the Google native and face, all these tools are getting better over time. But what I've, where I've seen people have success is just get all your data into some kind of a data lake, get the right kind of BI tool in there, or the person that can help you understand that so that you can stitch all of this data together into one, uh, into one cohesive story. I mean, that, that, that's what I've seen be successful. And there's tools like segmented on the enterprise level that you know can help with stuff like that. Now, what are some of the essential sales processes that you think a company should be following in today's pretty competitive markets? Yeah, well, you know, again, it comes a little bit down to what you're selling. Um, you know, if you're, if you're on the lower end of the market, you know, I think you want to focus on uh, you know, more direct response types of things where you can get somebody on the phone and the salesperson has an opportunity to close the close the sale in a single phone call or a single interaction, you know, with chat or or whatever it ends up being. And so, you know, making sure that you have the right tech in place for, you know, call tracking and analytics um, would, would be very important in, in, in that area. If you've got a longer sales cycle, a higher dollar value item that uh, that you're working on, then, you know, you start to get into you know, how are you, how are you managing the sales process? And so having a good CRM is important. Um, you know, having tools like, you know, obviously selfishly yesware um, that can help you manage your email follow-up much more effectively. Th those tools become important because the, in sort of this age of, um, uh, you know, a, a more restrained age than we were in like a couple of years ago, um, you don't want you, like those leads are just precious. And so one of the things that we see is like, I would call it like the cardinal sin of selling is, you know, you have an unforced error where you lose a customer because of something that you could have controlled. So something like you didn't follow up in a timely manner, or you didn't follow up appropriately, or you didn't, you didn't sort of prepare for the call with the customer and ask it. So you didn't ask good questions, like all those kinds of things you can control other stuff like budgets getting cut or, you know, what, you know, whatever somebody ends up moving and the thing that they were going to buy from you, that like all that stuff is sort of outside of your control, but you gotta, you gotta make sure that you have flawless follow-up. Um, I think is the, is really the, is the number one thing you got to make sure that you're doing well as a, as a sales organization today. So what, what's a couple quick wins that an e-commerce business owner could implement right away that would 
most likely improve their sales process. Yeah. Well, if if you've got if you've got a sales process where um, an individual is talking to the customer and trying to convert them into a prospect, I I would highly recommend Yesware, a tool like a Yesware, whereby you can put a customer into an email campaign. And so you, you can think of it as very similar to something like, um, uh, you know, MailChimp or uh, Constant Contact for your company. But this is for you as an individual um, selling to another individual. And what ends up happening when you do that is now it becomes a personal conversation one-to-one. Uh, so you get the benefit of that, but then you also get the benefits of automations where you're making sure that you're following up a certain number of times. And I, like our, our data suggests that um, the ideal number of contacts initially with someone is, is six contacts over 14 days. And wow. so in order to make sure that you're doing that effectively, like you normally need, you know, some tools to sort of help you with that. And so I think that that can be a, a quick win for anybody. And then once you start to set those tools up, you can then get, you start to get some data back and you can start to experiment. So like, oh, well, is, is it better? Is this subject line better than that subject line? Is it, should I send three emails right away or two of this white paper or that like all this stuff that you would do as a marketer, you can now do as part of an individual uh, sales process. And I think a lot of e-commerce business owners get the marketing part because they're so, you know, they're usually understanding, you know, their, uh, their, their uh, Google data, their, their face, their Facebook's console, like they understand. And so the sales process isn't that much different, but for some reason, um, a lot of times I think we forget that sales now is a very, can be a very quantitative exercise because it's primarily digital. And it's, so it's all knowable and, and we can treat it in a very similar way to the way we've treated marketing historically. You know, that's a, that's a lot of contact. What did you say? Six times in 14 days? Yeah. I know that um, from my experience, I, I've talked to a lot of e-commerce store owners that are private clients or just come for me for consultation. And a lot of them are worried about over communicating with customers. What, what would you say to to those that have that worry? Well, I think you got to test it. I mean, I think is, is one thing I would say. Um, the other thing is, I think there's a question about how big is your market? And so if your market is, you know, billionaires that are buying, you know, uh, you know, G8s or something like that, like you probably, you probably want to be careful about not over contacting them and burning them out. However, if your market is, you know, the 50 million people that need a, a sofa, uh, you know, in the next three years, like I wouldn't worry so much about the uh, the burnout aspect of it. Now, you don't really want to go into spam world because that can cause your deliver, just like in marketing, your deliverability can suffer. You won't get through to folks. But I think if you've got a legitimate need that you're solving for your customer and they've, especially if they've expressed some inbound interest, I don't think you should feel badly about contacting them um, many times across many channels over a short period of time because, you know, people are busy and the reality is like, you might think you're bothering them, but how many people do you know that manage their inbox by, it's like, if they just happen to be in it and something happens to be there, they'll click it. And there's another 50 messages below the fold that actually never get dealt with. You know, it's like the number of people that actually, it's probably, it's funny because like the the e-commerce owner is more likely to be an inbox zero type of person that's like very methodical and goes through everything, but your average customer probably isn't. And so if you just send one message, you know, our, our data suggests, here's an, here's another kind of interesting factoid is that if you don't get a response in the first day to an email, you have a one in 20 chance of that message being responded to in the future. Interesting. What, how do you feel about SMS text messaging? You know, it, it can be powerful, I think, because it's sort of, um, 
it's sort of an inbox that isn't as crowded as uh, um, as as an email inbox these days. There aren't as you know. There, I think there's a little bit you know a little bit tighter regulation. Not as not as many people use it. Um, it's a little bit more of a. I think it's a. We've been sort of trained with this Pavlovian response to like a, respond immediately when we get a text, which is not necessarily the same as as an email. So used effectively, I think it can be it can be very powerful. I think the 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 the, the line to tread there, and I don't really have any great advice here other than, you know, if you get too spammy in text, then you either have to, you know, use one of these services where you're like, you're sort of recycling the number. But if you're, if you're using like your own, you know, numbers, like you can very quickly get put in spam jail now and with text, just like um, with email. And so I think if you're, if you, if you're using it thoughtfully and well, and sort of measuring to make sure that you're not you know, sort of actively pissing people off. I th- it can be a very effective method. Hello there, this is Andy. I wanted to take a quick break from the show and talk to you for just a minute about the new golden ticket program that I've introduced inside Make Each Click Count University. I know it sounds fancy, right? But what's the golden ticket all about? Each month, members of Make Each Click University receive a golden ticket that they can use to access any of our certified courses. Certified courses include courses on Facebook, Google Ads, Pinterest, SEO, and more. Look, If you are looking to grow your business by either adding a new marketing channel or by optimizing an existing marketing channel just like an expert, then this program is for you. Perhaps you're looking to train someone on your team or you're looking for a career in digital marketing. Well, either way, this program is the program you've been waiting for. In addition, when you become a member to Make Each Click County University, you'll get immediate access to all of our in-house courses, timely training videos, access to all three of my books, and access to our monthly mastermind meeting, all this at a recently reduced price. So go on over to www.makeeachclickcountuniversity.com for all the details and sign up. I guarantee it's going to be the best decision you make today. Now, back to the show. Now, before we get into what you're doing now with Vendasta, and yes, we're one of my favorite questions that I like, especially from entrepreneurs that have been around a while, have there been any business books that you could attribute to some of your success? Well, the, the one that I always go back to is, um, is David Allen's getting things done. Um, I, that's just been a, you know, and I, I'm not a naturally super organized person and I don't know, I don't really, you know, I sometimes am better or worse using that system, but that, that's the one that, um, that I think has provided the most value to me over a long period of time. There's a bunch of other ones that, uh, that I like for various things, but that's the, that's the one that always seems to come back as uh, is sort of core to, to what I've been able to do. So let's talk now about uh, Vendasta and Yesware. Um, I guess let's start with Vendasta. How long has it been around and what solutions are being offered? Uh, yeah, um, Vendasta, um, I think it's, you know, it's 12, 15 years, I think about, just about 15 years old at this point. Um, and Vendasta, provides um, a set of solutions for customers that are selling to small and local business. So think of like the, the products that Vendasta provides are things that a smaller local business might want, like reputation management or being in, you know, the various internet directories, you know, SEM, SEO, all those types of things. And that's delivered by uh, primarily by um, agent, by digital agencies and media companies and other folks that have a large stable of, uh, of small and local businesses. And so Vendasta provides both the 
individual products that get sold on and, and also provides a marketplace of other products and solutions that are relevant to those businesses that, that, that can be sold and white labeled. And then they provide the tools for the agency to sort of make it look as though those are their products, deliver all those through sort of a single sign-on and a single bill. Um, and then other sort of you know uh, things. You know, think of think of things like CRM and and email marketing automation to allow those agencies to sort of effectively run their business on top of the of Vendasta platform. How is AI going to affect Vendasta? Well, it's you know, it's I think it's going to it's going to affect everybody um, on the on the Vendasta side. Um, we're trying to embrace it as quickly as we can. And what, you know, one of the use cases that we've already pushed out into the product is the ability. So one of the things that we, that we'll, that we'll do for folks is social media management. So we'll either give you a tool to, to post yourself or we'll, we'll, we'll actually do it on your behalf um, if you want. And so we, we've launched a tool that now gives you the ability to sort of use um, uh, open AI to generate those those posts and responses, um, we will generate images, the whole thing. And, and you can sort of do, you can have it run through a few to sort of get to the one that you like, and then you can sort of tweak it. Usually it takes a little bit of human intervention to get it exactly right. But that sort of brainstorming process of like, what am I going to post or what's like, we're cutting, you know, 90% of the time out there. And I think for, for marketers, th this is the first area where this is going to really come up as a major disruptive force, because to me, the, like if you think about the, sometimes I think about like the bar for truth and like the bar for truth and like nuclear engineering is very high, but the bar for truth and internet marketing is you could argue pretty low. And so I think the first area that we're going to see a lot of AI applications is, um, is, is in, in some of these marketing use cases. And before Vin, Vendasta, you were running Yesware, they got purchased. Yep. What, what is Yesware and is that now incorporated under the Vendasta umbrella? Yeah, Yesware is a uh, is a sales tool, um, primarily used by you know inside sales types or anybody that's in a in a sales and, and marketing orientation, like you know as an e commerce owner. If you've got a high high AOV product that you're selling to individuals, like that, that's the type of person that that would use Yesware. We integrate very deeply into the inbox, so Gmail and Outlook, and we help you figure out things like who's opening your emails, um, what types of email communications are working, send out. Uh, uh, and make calendar scheduling easy, all, all that type is like very core sales productivity and uh, sales enablement. And so part of the part of the thesis for Vendasta Yesware merger is that we're going to take that core Yesware tech and we're going to embed it into the Vendasta platform. And so they already have pieces of CRM. We're going to make those way better. Um, and so for the Vendasta customers that are in turn selling to these small and local businesses, they're going to have even better tools at their disposal to now be able to win more business. And so who is the perfect client for, for Vendasta and Yesware? Well, for Vendasta, it's typically, it's typically, um, I would say the middle of the bullseye is kind of a, is an agency that's large enough that you have people that are doing delivery and people that are doing sales that aren't sort of the same person um, because you get then to get to take advantage of some of the uh, you know, some of the platform features that that Vendas offers that are specific to sales or specific to delivery. Um, and on the, on the Yesware side, you know, for us, we tend to, to work best. I mean, we have plenty of individual customers that use us and very large customers, but we find Teams that are um, big enough to get the advantage of sharing, but aren't so massive that you can sort of hire, hire an army of sales enablement folks tend to be best. So think of companies that 
you know, might have, you know, 10 to 30 salespeople in them um, tend to be sort of the, I think the, the, the middle of our bullseye, if you will. And how can an interested listener learn more about working with you and Vendasta and Yesware? Yeah, well, you, um, uh, you can go to Vendasta.com, uh, tons of resources there, particularly if you're selling to um, small and local business, there's a whole content community there called Conquer Local, which is great. Um, and on the Yesware side, um, Yesware.com, um, uh, if you want to learn about sales, uh, yesware.com forward slash blog. We've got tons of content. It's all free. We've been writing it for 10 years. You can see some of the studies that are some of the metrics that we cited here. You can find the, um, the studies there. And, um, you know, if, if you really love sales, um, I also do a podcast called the hard sell, which you can find at uh, yesware.com forward slash podcast. Well, it's been great. Is there anything else you would like to add before we wrap it up today? Um, no, I don't think so. I, I think, um, you know, it's a, it's an exciting time to be an e-commerce business owner. There's disruption all over the place. And I think it's going to be some, you know, just there has been the last five to 10 years, there's going to be some really big winners that emerge. Uh, it's an exciting time. Great. Well, thanks again for joining us today, Joel. Great. Thanks for having me. For listeners, remember, if you like this episode, please go to Apple Podcasts and leave us an honest review. If you're looking for more information on connecting with Joel or Vendasta, you will find the links in the show notes below. In addition, if you're looking for more information on growing your business, check out our podcast resource center available at podcast.makeeachclickcount.com. We have compiled all of our different past guests by show topic, included each of their contact information. In case you would like more information, any of the services I've discussed during previous episodes. Well, that's it for today. Remember to stay safe, keep healthy, and happy marketing. And I will talk to you in the next episode. This has been the Make Each Click Count podcast. Remember, those that want to make more sales and profits online, listen to this podcast. The ones that want to discover how to do it faster, invest in themselves and their business through Make Each Click Count University. Join our private Make Each Click Count Facebook group or send us an email to info at makeeachclickcount.com. We want to know who you are and any questions that you may have regarding online marketing.